And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to the Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Today we will be in two passages of Scripture, Colossians 3 and Romans 6. We are to live out the switch of masters, which has been completed at our conversion. Crucifixion was always an execution and never a suicide. And crucifixions were always no miss. They never failed. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Your flesh is never going to help you to have victory in Christ. The law of sin and death will never cooperate with the Holy Spirit. They are at odds. They are pulling you in opposite directions, and the question becomes, Who do you listen to? Who do you obey? Who do you present the tools of your toolbox to? Verse 21 asks a very useful question. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now shamed? For the outcome of those things is death. Isn't it so true that we are new creations in Christ And in retrospect, we fully understand that there is absolutely no benefit to the fruit which came out of our slavery to sin. My mother says that when she became a Christian, she laughed over what she once cried over, and she cries over what she once laughed over. As new creation in Christ In retrospect, you can look at your life before Christ and you can fully understand that there was absolutely no benefit to the fruit which came out of presenting yourself to be a slave to the law of sin and death. And in fact, the fruit of slavery to sin is now completely embarrassing to you. Is to me, in my past. And since in verse 21, the things of which you are now ashamed probably refers to evil thoughts, which lead to evil words, which lead to evil deeds, and which lead to evil habits. The things that we are ashamed of after Christ that we had in our past are things probably like evil thoughts, which led to evil words, which led to evil deeds, and which led to evil habits. And in short, the things of which we are now ashamed boils down to the whole ugly package of our old, sinful, slavery-to-sin way of life. If you hold your places in Romans and go to Colossians, I want you to go to Colossians 3, 5 to 11. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth, Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed 
to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. The outcome of sinful thoughts, words, deeds, and habits is death. Death is separation. Three levels of death that came in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God. There's physical death, which is a separation of the human soul and spirit from the dead body. Physical death. There's spiritual death when the spirit of the unsaved person is dead as a doorpost, Ephesians 2.1, but you were dead in your trespasses and sin. There are people walking around us where we work, where we live, where we transact, maybe in our church, who are spiritually dead still. The body is alive, their soul is alive, their personality, but their spirit is dead because they've never become a Christian yet. So there's physical death, there is spiritual death. That spiritual death separates the lost person from a meaningful relationship with God. And then there's everlasting death, which is the separation of the unbeliever's resurrected body, soul, and spirit as one entity from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell. These are the outcomes of sinful thoughts, words, and deeds, and habits that are not under the blood of Christ. Death. Physical death, spiritual death, and everlasting death. And next Paul turns from the past life to the present life, going back to Romans 6. Keep your place in Colossians, though. Romans 6, verse 22. Paul turns from the past life to the present life in verse 22, Romans 6. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Now go back to Colossians 3, and we're going to pick it up where we left off in verse 12 and read through 17. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience... Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now we can move away from Colossians. We won't be going back. And look at verse 22 in Romans 6. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Will you notice the past tenses in that verse? Having been freed from sin, enslaved to God. It's beautiful. It's a switch of masters that has already taken place for each of you who are redeemed. 
a completed switch of masters that's already been affected and enacted at your conversion. It's been done for you. You know, crucifixion is always an execution. It's never a suicide. You've been co-crucified with Christ. The old you has been executed by God. Crucifixion is always an execution. Crucifixion is never a suicide. And furthermore, crucifixion is no miss. No one ever survived crucifixion. No one. Capital punishment in the states in the U.S. that have it, if you don't die by the lethal injection, then you are spared. If you don't die by being hung, if you survive for some reason the trap door doesn't open or whatever, you are set free. There were no misses in crucifixion. That form of execution was fail-proof. There were no survivors from crucifixion. And so again, I say it, our switch of masters has already been made at our conversions. And the fruit of this switch of masters is sanctification. That God would set you apart increasingly, increment by increment, for his own possession and use. Beautiful. We joyfully now can experience the abundant life of which Jesus spoke In John 10.10, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. We can experience uh, living under the mastery of righteousness. We can experience the joy of an abundant life, which the Lord has promised and provided as we cooperate with this divine work of sanctification. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and we are here in another edition of Youth Talk. And this morning, we want to continue talking about how we as Christians need to impact our culture. And last week, we talked about John 15, 18, and 21. And we talked about how we are in this world to make a difference. And we need to understand that as culture throws things at us, whether it be in movies, whether it be social media, TV, whatever it is, we need to understand that we need to take a stand. Whatever our friends say, we need to take a stand. And I want to just continue on that. And I want us to look at three other verses from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. And it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possession, not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. You see, we need to understand again, as we talked about last week, and we continue talking about that we are not to love the world. And what do we mean by the world? We mean the things of this world. We're talking about how we need to filter everything through the Word of God. What does God's Word tell us to do? You know, I want you to just think for a second, and I want you to make a mental note or or write it down, and I want you to think about this. How much time have you spent watching movies this week? How much time have you spent on social media this week? TV, internet, whatever it may be. I want to ask you this. How has that helped you make an impact for God this week? You see, a couple months ago, we talked about how social media is a great tool that God has given us. But we need to understand that social media can also be a hindrance to what our relationship with God is all about. Because what we share, we, we, we let people see the type of person we are. And we need to understand the world has a lot of things out there that we can share. And it's so easy to push that share button on, on social media and, and just 
share things that we know aren't pleasing to God. And this is saying, do not love the world or the things in this world. You see, we need to understand that it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in worldly things. It's so easy to get wrapped up. And this is why he continues, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I want you to think about this. What is most important to you? Is it God's word? Is it the love of God? Or is it the things of this world? Are you willing to take a stand no matter what? And it goes on in verse 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but it's from the world. You know, we need to understand that as, as we consider and we talk about lust, you know, there are so many th- ways, and we consider the first sin as we think of Adam and Eve, and we think of Eve as she saw the fruit first, and she saw, saw that it was good. And we saw as, as Satan is, is, is talking to her and telling her, you know, he doesn't, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit because you're going to become like him. We need to understand that, that as we think about this, first of all, it was what she saw. She saw the fruit and it looked good. It's just like us in our world today. We see something that we like and we want more of it. You know, it's just like in anything. You know, imagine food for a second. You know, I'm a person, I like a good steak. But I should not eat steak every single day in my life. That's not the best meal for me to have because it's just not. But if I have a good piece of steak, I may always be drawn to that. You see, it's just like what this verse is saying that we need not let our eyes, what we see, make us want more of it. Because that's what the world wants. The world wants us to be enticed. It shows us things that we like and we continue to do it. You know, I'm a person, and and, and I tell young people this because I think this is very important, that sin is fun. And, And the reality is sin is fun because if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't want nothing to do with it. And that's what Satan is trying to tell us that, you know, why not do this? this is, you're going to have so much fun doing this. Whether it be if you're a bunch of friends and you're drinking and you're smoking and whatever it may be, you, you see a nice young lady or a, a guy and, and you're attracted to them. There's nothing wrong with seeing someone and in, in saying that that person looks nice or whatever. But it's what we do with those after that. Do we lust? Do we want to see more? You know, for, for a young person, a young guy listening I know that pornography is something that a lot of people struggle with. As, as that, again, it's the lust of the eyes. They see something and they want more. And again, this is of the world. The world is just in bringing us in and enticing us. As, like I said, as you think of social media, you can go online and you can see so much stuff that, are, that the eyes would be drawn to. But we need not to let that control us. And he said that the pride in one's possessions. You see, we, we live in a world where we look at other people's things and we say, you know what? I would like to have that. I want some of that. And I think that that's our problem today, that we have become so caught on what the world is offering, where we as, as you know, believers, we want the best. We want the newest thing on the market when we need to consider what's going on around us. How can we, how can this impact people with the word of God? How can this impact people into a relationship with God? And in closing, verse 70 says, And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. You see, we need to understand this morning as we consider the lust, that they consider that this is just lust that we have, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. You see, as a believer, we are called to do things that are pleasing to God. And we need to understand that the will of God remains forever. 
Lust will pass away. Things that we want, they, they're going to pass away. It's just like, for an example, when you consider every year a new iPhone, a new Samsung phone comes out, a new gaming system comes out, we always want the newest thing on the market. You see, because they don't get it right the first time. But when we consider God and his word and we consider what God's will for our lives, he gets it right the first time. He gets it right at the time that it, whenever he reveals to us what his will of our lives are. And we need to be seeking after God to know the will of our lives. And it says this, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. So I want you to consider this. What is it that you are pursuing? Are you pursuing things that are not going to bring satisfaction for the rest of your life? Whether it be electronics, whether it be movies, whatever it may be. Or are you going to pursue Christ and let him control everything? Whatever he wants you to do in your life, you're going to follow. Because that is what will remain forever. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas and you've been listening to Utah. And now, today's personal God story. Well, I'm pleased this morning to have in the radio studio my friend and my brother in Christ, Duet Simonette. Good morning, Duet. Good morning, Pastor Good to have you with us. We're going to have a little chat together, and in so doing, we're going to let the listeners in on some of your life experiences that are uh, important to know about because some of their life experiences may be similar. So let me ask you this. Uh, where were you born? Roxanne Uther. And uh, tell me a bit about your parents. I would say I had good parents. This I will say, I never saw my daddy in church. But I went to Sunday school four times on a Sunday. Four times? Yeah. Started with the Sunday, so God Day started at 9.45. Uh-huh. And then uh, one o'clock, we'll go to the brother church, uh-huh. uh, the principal school, where, you know, was there. And then 3 o'clock, I go to the Methodist. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 5 o'clock, I'm to the Church of God. But I just loved Sunday school. Now, now my father, i never seen him in church. But every time I went to Sunday school, he had a memory voice. You had to remember that. Yes. And my father, he would, he would test me, those voices, all of them. And he would check my piece of paper or my slate to see what I've done and, uh-huh. uh, uh, during the school activity. Interesting. What, uh, I know that you said you loved Sunday school, and obviously you did because you went four times every Lord's Day. Oh, yeah. What would you say were some of the main things that Sunday school helped you with? Well, and the thing you call plenograph, like a uh, demonstration, like the children, uh, I was told, I was, to, I, I was made from, I was made to know from a child that um, because of Adam and, and Eve had sinned, our four parents, because they had sinned, it caused us to be born into sin, and we had to be converted, we had to, you know, uh, so, so, so doing a similar demonstration, and uh, sometimes they would show like this person has like a big bundle of burdens and, and, and you know, burden of life and said they got, you know, and and I, I was made to know from very uh, uh, early that uh, if if I had died and if, and if I hadn't had Christ in my life or asked to save me, uh, my soul would be lost. Yes. So like I emphasize, what I know of the Bible, 
It all started in Sunday school. That's where it's at. You know, that's See? such a good a good thing to tell our listeners because um, churches that offer Sunday school, those 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 Sunday schools should be attended well, and parents should sure. get those kids to Sunday yes. school, but even better, get themselves to adult Sunday school yes. and their children yes. to children's Sunday mm-hmm. school. Let me ask you this, my brother. What was your health like as a boy? Oh, uh, I did not know health at all. I, I was the voice of, I was... Uh, uh, I was uh, I was I was quite quite content. Uh, the greater part of my childhood life to myself, uh, I wasn't clean as far as the family was concerned. I, everything a child had or passed away, I caught it. I had typhoid fever. I had malarial fever. I had a, a, a pneumonia. One called it a, a tuberculosis or TB or TB. What what what? Uh, I was asthmatic for 11 years, and, uh, and what happened was um, I loved school, but I only had about three years in school. Actually, the doctor took me out of school because of my health. See, what happened was my brain was stronger than my body. Yes. So it wasn't balanced. So every time I go, every time I go to school, and it's like now if I'm doing something, I don't want to stop until it's finished. Yes. You know, so because of health, uh, you know, yes, the doctor would take me, uh, you know, have me in the school. That's amazing. But, uh, so in many ways, you could have died from any one of those things, but well, you had all of those things. I had everything. Yeah. Everything. So um, you were loving Sunday school, attending Sunday school, mm-hmm. learning about God and about the cross and about salvation. Yes. Um, and... I'm sure that those things would have come to your mind when you were on your sickbed. Well, after pastor, at the age of 11, I saw myself as being a, citizen, a sinner. I knew I, was a, I knew I was a sinner. And I realized at that time that Christ had died for me. God had sent himself to die for me. Yes. If you were to ask me, what is it, my favorite, uh, the greatest scripture verse in the Bible? I would say, Pastor, it's John 3.16. Yes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but but have everlasting life. Yeah. Yes. So, um, as you, at 11, trusted Jesus to be your Savior, uh, then what happened? Satan got into the home and wrecked it, broke it up. And um, there's a saying that goes this way. Sense of parent, sometime it falls upon the children. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, my father loved me uh, when I was a, a lad. And why he loved me, he loved me over my elder brother. He, he... Uh, him and my elder brother, they didn't uh, gel at all. Uh, of course, I am I am six years younger than my eldest brother. But my father also caused some division between me and my brother. And something my parents does sometimes, they speak in the presence of children, that this one is better than the next one, or, or this one would be something, the next one wouldn't, uh, you know. And um, it's bad. Practices that you don't have. 
see, see, it's true. It's true. Um, my my childhood days, my day, the boys, um, days. Yes, I had my chores uh, like an island boy. I had to go to get the keep the, the stock of uh, firewood. The cockwood was you had an inside stove. I mean, if it had a storm or something, I had a rain. But we had a kitchen, you know, everything, you know. So it was my job to keep the wood, wood stock piled there, keep it stocked, and then go to the mill and make sure that they, they would the corn. The, the big meal then was was grits. You know, you grew the corn, you know, and you had to take it to the mill and you know, shovel it and then grind it, and you know, and um, so we had chores going away. So in spite of my chores, uh, with the fields and the yards and you know, what have you, I would still find myself in the workshop. See, my, my father built for me Luther. And, um, and and what he loved about me, and didn't like, and my elder brother, I walked in his footsteps. The good part about my father's life, I walked in and I did the step, you know, you know. So he was very proud of me. So sometime in the nighttime, we'd be in the workshop. We had these gas lamps then, and um, he would say, "Son, it's time." You have to go to school tomorrow, you know. And he was, he was proud of me. You know, my mother was proud of me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a boy at the age of seven getting up every morning, four o'clock, mm. going into the kitchen, and cooking and cooking breakfast and lunch for my father to have before he go to work and take a portion of lunch. And um, when it was all was finished, I'll go and knock on to the bedroom, knock on the door. Mommy did, you know, everything is ready. Of course, I never said it. But during that for four or five years, both of them, they was, they was proud of me. Sure. You know, they were still proud of me. And um, even though, even though, even though things didn't, didn't turn out the way uh, there was with my father, he disappointed me. But then again, um, I look at, I look at the good things which he did, but he encouraged me, you know. And and what I decided to do was, uh, the, the mistakes which he made in his life, I decided to take them and make them stepping step stones for me and to be a, a better person and to treat my family better, you know. Yes. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N-1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior. Savior.